0: This episode of All My Friends Are in Bands was recorded on the land of the Ngunnawal people. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Enjoy the episode. you miss me? Nah, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I understand. <laughs> it's David James Jung here. Remember me? I, uh, for a while there, I hosted a podcast called All My Friends Are in Bar Bands and then fucking life got in the way as poor, I've actually been sitting on this one for a little while. I've been meaning to get it out to you. I wanted to get it out to you last Friday, but I was so bloody sick that I could barely fucking talk so i uh, had that going on for me which was really really nice uh but uh, i'm in a slightly better place now i can actually uh talk properly which is a, a strong start so we've got that going for us things are just moving up here at Barbands hq and i am very very excited to uh, be back and sharing this one with you this is a bittersweet one for me uh this is a chat uh with my very good friend Mr. Azim Zain. A uh, Malaysian born and one time Canberra based uh musician who sadly recently was deported from the country. Uh he is back in Kuala Lumpur now but uh yeah, I went down to visit him and see him play his last uh show as a Canberra local for the time being uh back in June. And I'm really really glad I got to be there for that. It was a really special show uh, And Azim is a super super talented guy uh, He fronts a band called Azim Zane and his lovely bones uh, Also fronted a band called Elk Locker and also played guitar in a band called Slag at the Christie And he's been doing a bunch of other stuff around the place as well And so I wanted to document uh, the last bit of time that we had together while he was still living here in Australia And, uh, that's what you're going to be hearing today. Uh, I know a lot of you might not know Azim's music or know him personally, but, uh, I really would love for you to check this one out because, yeah, I think Azim is a really talented guy and I'm really glad that we got to, uh, have this chat and document this time together. He's a a really, really special guy and I'm, I'm so, so bummed that, uh, he's not here in the country to, uh, to celebrate this with us. But, uh, You know what? We both hold out hope that he'll be back at some stage, but uh, yes, until then, I have this for you, Mr. Azim Zane, today on All My Friends and Bar Bands. Big thank you to Azim for agreeing to do this. Uh, Big thank you to the Mulgara Homestead for having us and uh, letting us use their place to record. Uh, Big love to the whole Canberra crew. Much, much love to you all. I promise I will come visit you again very, very soon, and we can go to 88 Miles and have a fucking hell of a time together. Uh, But yes, in the meantime, please check out Azim's music. It's all up on Bandcamp and Spotify, etc. It's really beautiful stuff, and uh, yeah, I've got a lot of time for this guy, and I, I really, really hope you get something out of this episode, because I certainly did. And that's pretty much it, if you would like... Uh, To spread the word about this podcast, then that would be massively, massively appreciated. Uh, We are on Stitcher, we are on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, literally wherever you get your podcasts from, you know where to find us. Uh, If you can uh, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, uh, review it as well, that would be awesome. And subscribe as well, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, all of that helps, And if you do want to go above and beyond and become an absolute certifiable fucking legend, then you can become a patron of me, David James Young. Uh, By doing so, you will help to support me, my podcasts, my writing, all my various creative endeavors, and uh, that would be so, so helpful and so, so massively appreciated and you will join this list of absolute certifiable champions of the universe. A massive bar band's thank you to Amy Gray, Benaiah Colbin, Blake Henequin, Chris Bowden, Dave McCarthy, David Armstrong... Eleanor Shepard, Elliot J O'Neill, Eloise Young, Heath Anthony, Jeremy Dillon, Jeremy Neal, Jonathan Elvery, Leslie Bowden, Liam Sherlock, Matthew Lynch, Paddy Abelos, Siyan Vanakudi, Spencer Scott, Tanya Taylor, and Will McDougall. If you would like to join this list of absolute masters of the universe, then you can do so by heading over to Patreon.com/slash David James Young. That's P A T R E O N dot com slash David James Young. Oh, yeah, and if you would like to get in touch, Barbands, as always, is open for business, and you can get in touch with me by shooting me an email over at barbandspod at gmail dot com. B A R B A N D S P O D at gmail dot com. I would love to hear from you. But in the meantime, let's cross now to my chat with Zim Zane.
1: I'm David Chim Chung and all my
0: friends are in bar bands. Today I'd like to introduce you to my friend Azim Zen.
1: Hey. Hey everyone, how are you going? Out there in Podcast Land. Out
0: in Podcast Land. <laughs> I reckon everyone is uh, responding wherever they are on the tram, on the on the train, in their car. Just been like, I'm real good, Azim. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Uh, apart from like getting like booted out of the country like Yeah in like just over a week. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
0: By the, by the time that you hear this, uh, Zim won't uh, be here, unfortunately. This is a kind of a farewell tour. Which, for now. Yeah, for and now. For, for now, yeah.
1: Got yeah. to have some hope for the future.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. Do you want to kind of explain your situation a little bit?
1: Um, yeah, so I came here on a student visa, like, ages ago when I was in year 11. And I've just been, like, on student visas for, like, the bulk of the last decade. And I was on, then after I finished my graduate diploma in 2017... I got a, what was called, like, a graduate work visa, right. which, is, like, essentially an extension to, like, stay on, work, yeah. do further study, all, all that kind of jazz. Yeah, then I was meant to apply for a permanent residency visa, so, like, a uh, skilled migration visa, but because of, like, just the timing of, like, when I put my application in, like, the points cut off for that particular visa has gone up due to, like, the spots decreasing Is it's at the end of the quarter period, I guess. Right. So, yeah, so I'm just, like, kind of, like, shit out of luck at this point. Wait, is this the kind of podcast I can swear on?
0: Absolutely. Oh, sick. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd be offended if you didn't. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, essentially, yeah, I'm, I haven't gotten my invitation to apply for the migration visa I've, I intended to apply for this whole time, which yeah. is a bummer, because it's, like, I'm keep, I keep shooting for, like, a goalpost that's ever-shifting, yeah. but fingers crossed, like, the points cut-off comes back down when the corridor gets refilled in the new financial year. Right. Yeah. yeah, so that's, like, the optimism, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. I can imagine that would be a real screw-around, you know, just kind of constantly having to prove that you're just like, yeah, I, sh- I should be here. Yeah. It's in the song. Yeah. <laughs> For those who come across the seas without yeah. this... Like, you wrote the song and you're not... <laughs> let me fu- it's, it's fucked, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's like... It's a bit of a bummer. It's partially my own fault, making certain decisions at the time, and timing, I guess. But, like, it's, I just gotta do it, to deal with it. Like, I, I guess I grew up, like, in a, quite a religious family, so, and my mum always says, like, if things don't work out, usually it's, like, for a reason. Right. And, like, I try to, like, take that on when, like, shit happens in my life. Yeah. And I'm just like, look, maybe it'll just, like, lead me down a different path and, like, something else will pop up. Or maybe this is the path I need to go on to get where I need to get. So, uh, I don't know. Like... We'll see how things pan out in the next couple of years.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Zim, how did we
1: meet? I think we, we met at a show. We definitely met at a show. Yeah. But which one? That's the question.
0: Yeah. Because I reckon you would have come up to Sydney for something.
1: Before yeah. you moved there. Maybe, yeah.
0: Maybe something at Blackwire?
1: I did go to, like, the... Are there the Hotelier show there?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So,
0: I went to a few shows on that tour, so we, that that might have been around the time that we met. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. So, that was, like, end of 2016, I yeah. think that was? Oh, yeah.
1: 2015, I reckon.
0: 2015, yeah, yeah. shit. Yeah. God damn. Been a long yeah, time. Man, yeah, that's right, because... Um, uh, what was the record? Goodness. Goodness came out in 2016. That's the one, yeah. So, it was between... Uh, Home and Goodness coming out. Yeah, that's so, the one. Yeah. Because
1: so, they played, play like, one or two songs from Goodness yeah, yeah, on that tour, that we didn't I remember. Yeah, yeah, know yet. Yeah. yeah.
0: Man, that was a good run. Yeah. Wow, that was awesome.
1: Yeah, Hotelier really need to come back. It's right, been, like, long enough at this point. I can agree. How long had you been living
0: in Sydney? Like, were you studying there,
1: or...? Yeah, so I moved there in August 2016 to do my graduate diploma in, Le- yeah. in legal practice. Yeah. And I finished that in July the following year. And then, unfortunately at that point, like, I'd broken up with m- my girlfriend in Sydney. And so, so it made me realise, oh shit, I've got, like, no friends outside <laughs> of my girlfriend <laughs> and friends. Oh, and man. the few people in the scene, I guess. So I just, made, I just moved back to Canberra at yeah. some point.
0: What was that like, that kind of split life living between those two places for a while?
1: I think it's really hard because, I think it was hard partially because Sydney and Canberra was so close, and because I didn't know anyone, really know anyone when I moved to Sydney, apart from, like, my friend Mitchell and another old housemate I had. Yeah. Like, There's always that, that, that temptation to, like, keep coming back to Canberra on the weekends for shows and stuff. Especially, because I, I think before I, just before I moved, my main project, like, Azim Zen and lovely bones, just put out our first EP. Yeah. And I think we just got, like, loads and loads of, like, gig offers after that EP came out. Mm. So, like, so between that and my other band, Elk Locker, I just kept coming back, like, basically every weekend for, like, six months. Yeah. And so I never really settled myself in Sydney yeah. for, like, a long time. So, yeah, it just felt weird and I didn't belong either in either Canberra or Sydney. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So do you feel like coming back here, you felt like you started to...
1: Have that sense of belonging. Yeah. Uh, even then, like, even when I first moved back to Canberra, I did, like, sort of have, like, a, a bit of an issue, like, readjusting back to life in Canberra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, and this is something I've sort of had for, like, large periods of my life, because I've been moved, like, loads of different places. I've yeah. grew up in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. I lived in Adelaide for a couple of years. Like, I just, like, you slow, everyone slowly moves on, and when you go back, to go see them they might not be the same people or like maybe they've moved on in different ways yeah. like without you being there and so i think i just found that sort of, i found that transition trying to you know i guess insert yourself back into like your friends lives like bit tricky yeah yeah definitely i begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music specifically
0: where it changed from being something that maybe you were Watching on TV, listening to on the radio, that sort of thing, to being like, this is what I want to do. I want to sing. I want to play instruments. I want to be in a band. All that kind of stuff. Like, uh, tell me about how music kind of affected into your childhood and your upbringing. Like, and if there was any kind of switch on moment for you.
1: My family was never very musical or artistic at all. I, yeah. I, I was definitely the anomaly in that family. I come from like a family of like pretty straight-laced, like white-collar workers. My mom always encouraged me to, like, do music and that kind of stuff to some degree, but it was purely a, you know, Asian mum, like, it looks good on the university applications yeah, thing. Yeah. like, and then I guess I really started, I started playing drums and then later guitar when I was maybe 14 or 15, and that was purely because I was just this overweight, like, social, socially inept nerd in, mm-hmm. like, middle school in Malaysia, I thought, hey, if I learnt to play instruments, maybe people will think I'm one of the cool kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bands are cool. yeah. But then it just took a while to get there because I, I, I never quite got good enough until I moved to Australia.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> so I just sort
1: of stayed like, oh yeah, that's a zim. Like, I guess he plays instruments. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so where whereabouts were you growing up?
1: Uh, I grew up in, Mala- in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Right. Yeah.
0: How would you describe that kind of area to people who haven't been?
1: I don't know, because I, I had a very sheltered like upbringing from my family. It was it was very much, uh, you know, you go to school, you finish, and then you. I either go to like extra tutoring classes after school in a tutoring center, like in the inner city, or I go to taekwondo practice or tennis tennis lessons that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So I didn't really have like a lot of time to actually live and grow up in the city in the same way i guess lots of other people would imagine i did like start having a bit more freedom to like do that when i was maybe like 16 or 17 the last couple of years before i moved overseas yeah but down yeah, like, it's like a, it's a big hectic city it's like probably a bit more full-on than like most people would imagine in australia because like the city sort of just sprawls on and on and even the suburbs still get, like, pretty hectic until you start going, like, quite a bit further out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe the place. It's kind of dirty. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of dirty. Like, public transport's shit. Yeah. Because, and because, like, the city is so bike-unfriendly, I actually never learned how to ride a bike properly. Yeah, right. Yeah. So actually. to this day, I can't ride a bike. <laughs> Did
0: you perform, like, in front of people for the first time when you were living there? Or was that when you moved to Australia?
1: I think I played a couple of, like, assembly concerts in school. Yeah, yeah. But that was it, really.
0: Did you ever get, like, stage fright or anything like that as a kid?
1: Maybe, like, initially. Yeah. But I was, like... I started off primarily as a drummer. Yeah. So I was just sort of... Was able to just sit in the back Mm. and do my thing, and that was fine. I think when I transitioned into, like, being a front person, like, singing and playing guitar, that that took a bit of time, like, ease into... Because I was always, like... I, went, I always feel a bit bullshitty when people say, like, oh, I was this real reserved kid, and then now I'm this, the front man of, like, multiple bands. Like, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I don't know, that's just how it panned out. Yeah. <laughs> it took a while to get there, but I got there. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so when did you move?
1: Um, Start of 2009. So because the... I finished, high school in Mal- I finished high school in Malaysia at the end of 2008, but because the school systems don't line up properly, I had to technically repeat year 11 yeah right so i had to go so i w- went to school in adelaide and did year 11 and 12 there so yeah 2009 is my first arrived
0: how long were you in adelaide only two years right yeah right well so were you like in bands or anything like that there or like were you kind of continuing your interest in music
1: i think that's where really where like the music really like sort of picked up i guess because like a lot well, I was growing in Malaysia, like, the school I went to was very academic and mm. didn't have much in the way of, like, an arts program. Mm. So, like, what few, what few musicians there were around is, like, all, like, the spots performing in assemblies and stuff usually get given to, like, you know, the kids who were a bit more popular in school or, like, were a bit better. I was very often told I was just not good enough to, like, yeah. play. So I never never got the opportunity for the most part until I came to Australia. And then the school I was at was just, like... Oh, it's alright if you're not that great. Like, have a go. Yeah. Like, just, just play a few of your original... You don't have your original songs? Sick. Play a bunch of those. It's like, uh, like art gallery opening.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I just got good by, like... Oh, fuck. That sounds like a bit, like, conceited. I got good.
0: I mean... <laughs> yeah, 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 like, <laughs> I was better than mm. I was before. Yeah, better than I was
1: before. <laughs> yeah, just like... People gave me more of an opportunity. And I think yeah. that really sparked, like, the interest. Like, oh, actually... People, for some reason, people think, like, my songs are worth something. Yeah. Like, maybe I should, like, keep going.
0: How old were you when you started writing songs?
1: I think maybe 16.
0: What what kind of stuff were you listening to at that point that was kind of inspiring you to do that?
1: See, I listened to a lot. I still listened to, like, a lot of pop punk at the time. Sure, yeah. like, so, like, so, like, mid, early, mid-2000s, like... you found like Glory, yeah, like, Starting like, Lion. Yeah, like, that sort, of, that, that sort of era of, like, emo and, like, pop-punk and, like, skate-punk yeah, bands. Used, yeah. yeah, I was just one of those kids. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, but none of... And I also, like, a lot... Because I was a huge weeb as well. I just listened to, like, a lot of, like, J-rock and J-pop. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Like, none of the songs I wrote at the time sounded like anything I was listening to. <laughs> I had no idea where it stood for, like, a long time. But, yeah. What, what, what
0: were those early songs like? Like, what did they sound
1: like? Trash yeah utter trash like I think the first band original band I ever played in we recorded one three track demo that I'm so glad has faded into the ether and I never want to hear it ever again
0: what was the band called
1: I can't even remember because <laughs> I so when I moved they actually changed the band name and they just changed the direction of the band completely Yeah, yeah, yeah. to like oh yeah we're well basically like you're in Daughtry
0: Oh yeah! Yeah, over. yeah
1: that's oh, yeah. the one. So it's basically like Daughtry, but with like Mike Shinoda's like rap bits thrown in. Sick. So like, it's the, 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 so essentially like the, all the weenie take all the weenie Nickelback songs that everyone hates <laughs> and just add rap bits to it, and oh, that was the direction dude. they went in. That
0: is tight as hell. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they didn't last very long doing it, but. Oh
0: man. Yeah. Listen, well, I'm glad this is how I remind you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah, like we, you were obviously like kicking around and playing gigs and stuff like that through high
1: school. Kind of. Like yeah. I played. Yeah, played a couple of semi things. There's one, the first cover band I played in. We played like a full cover set at like I think it was like a little charity festival. And there's there's of like high school bands like just playing covers and shit. But there was also like very established, like, local indie bands playing that as well. Yeah, right. And that's sort of what's, what first exposed me. Like, oh, wait, there's, like, music out there that, yeah. like...
0: There's, like, a local scene? Yeah, there's bit. a local
1: local scene! Yeah.
0: What, what do you remember any of those bands? <laughs>
1: there's one band that in particular I remember, and I think they're still kicking around today, they're called The Fridays. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, like, very good. I think they sort of transitioned from being, like, an emo pop-punk band to, like, just being, like, a sort of, like twee pop band now yeah sure and they're still slap hell yeah <laughs> yeah nice so
0: yeah like at what point do you uh, move again
1: so when I finished year 12 I sort of took like a six month break so I deferred like all my uni offers at the start of the year
0: you were just swimming, and I was just like, guys, guys. Yeah, yeah, fuck. <laughs> There's like, only so much of
1: me to go around. There's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to talk about, like, my ATAR, like, fucking, however, like, seven, yeah. eight years on. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, like, I'm not that kind of loser. Yeah. <laughs> not anymore, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, um, but yeah, so eventually I just... I ended up coming to the ANU to study, like, a bachelor of... A double degree of Bachelor of Law, art, law and Bachelor of Arts. Yeah. Um, largely because... International fees, international student fees are like real stupid. Yeah. And because my parents were paying it, they they looked at the tuition in like Melbourne and Sydney, and they were like, "How is like, Canberra almost like slight, only slightly more than half of what Sydney is charging?" So like, fuck it, we're sending it to Canberra. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: and at the time, I'm like, ah, uh, shit.
0: <laughs> well,
1: but it, it panned out. Like, I wouldn't change a thing.
0: What do you remember about coming here for the first time?
1: I remember getting. I think we. My family drove in from the airport, in Sydney because they were helping me move all my stuff. Yeah, I was just like getting into Canberra, driving down Northbourne Avenue, and just being like, "Shit, this is it. <laughs> this, this, this is it. This, this is, is literally it." Because I, I remember, like, when we my friends first sent me to Adelaide as well. We got because we went to Melbourne first, and then drove to Adelaide. Oh, but boy, but then calm down. but then yeah, that come down was pretty bad, but. Coming from, like, you know, like, I lived back in in Kuala Kuala Lumpur for, like, six months at that point. Yeah. And then I come to Canberra, I'm like, what is this place? Fucking hell. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, for the lot of... Then I just, like, got on, like, the ANU campus and lived on campus for a couple of years and that was fine.
0: How did you end up finding, like, the the music community around here? Like, was that kind of... Oh, you play in a band, I play in a band, you know? It was
1: very accidental... It took it took me like a really long time to find like what I would call quote unquote my people because mm. I really didn't like find like the community that I'm in now until t- 2015 at least yeah which is like re- it's like very late on in my degree and like my time in Canberra yeah I played I played drums in like a band in my second year like, it was like I I term it like a nerd rock band I guess oh uh, like, like
0: they might be giants or like
1: just like really just weird shit yeah right and we had like a one-off reunion show like I think last month maybe see. and there's like you listen back to some of the songs and you're like some of these references are very outdated
0: yeah
1: like like who reads Jezebel anymore (laughs) (laughs) but there's also stuff like about like some real problematic shit about polyamory some some real problematic takes so I'm just like oh not about (laughs) this I'm not naming any names but like (laughs) it's like definitely raised a few eyebrows
0: what was the band
1: Oh, I'm, I'm not naming any names. I'm, oh, um, you... <laughs> I'm I'm like keeping anonymous. <laughs> Fair enough. I think was they that band also played in like a very different sector of the camera music community. Right. So I was just like, oh, I I guess this is it. Yeah. So I wasn't, pl- and I, I played like solo shows with them. It wasn't didn't really feel like it gelled. Yeah. But then yeah, I think when I first started, Zimzane and Lovely Bones, there's a a guy who's like a friend of mine now, like Joel Caban, who like. Puts on like loads of shows in Canberra. And, sure, yeah, yeah. And there's like kind of like the older dad of the punk scene in Canberra. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I just like sent him a message once, being like, "Hey, we're like a new band starting. we a new band starting up, and we'd love to play like one of these like free Monday shows at the Phoenix sometime. Like, you, I heard you are booking some of them. And he's like, "Yeah, all right, I'll book you for one of them." And then he he did. We also, I think we also played with that show with Helena Pop, who are like we're still like very good friends with now yeah, yeah, and yeah. share members with. And, yeah, and the rest is history, I guess.
0: How did, you, how did you find band members originally?
1: So, my original bass player, Will, he played in, like, that other nerd rock band with me. Right. So, that's how I recruited him. I lived at the Canberra Student Housing Cooperative with Ella. And Tim, who joined the band, like, maybe, like, a year later or something, he... I knew him from, like, my first year at a residential college on the campus, And he was always a guy who was, like, better at guitar than me and was always, like, much better respected in, like, the weird high school, clicky college community. But no, we just stayed, like, good mates the whole time. Yeah. He was like, I'm one in.
0: (laughs) How was your solo stuff developing, like, from what you were doing back in high school as opposed to what you were doing later on?
1: I think the main thing that was I learned how to sing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Because
1: initially, I think I was in year 11, I kept hearing all, like... Yeah, you I know, like, it's like, all the Australians, like, in my boarding house talk, yeah. all around school talk about this John Butler guy. Oh, great. And I'm, like, I'm, like, oh, who is this? And, like, watch the Ocean video for the first time. And then I learnt the song. I'm, like, oh, this is actually, like, pretty fun. And it just masks completely how bad I am at, every- at singing. Yeah. So I just write, like, overly yeah, you complex... You make the guitar parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah Just make yeah. the guitar parts. Make, like, long, overly complex songs. And I think because at the time I wasn't planning on, like, ever really showing the songs to anyone. It's just, like, just for my own self-satisfaction. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, by just virtue of doing that constantly, I eventually got better at singing. So I stopped relying more... I stopped relying on, like, fiddly guitar parts and, like, mm-hmm. actually tried to figure out how to, like, write songs. Yeah, And because I start playing sh- solo shows, I transitioned from being, I'm going to write this... I don't know, five-and-a-half-minute, like, emo ballad that has, like, no structure whatsoever. Yeah. It's like, I'm actually playing for other people now. Yeah. And, yeah, that, that was sort of the big transition. Like, I'm not running for my own self-satisfaction and catharsis. I'm running for other people to, like, listen to and engage with. Yeah. Yeah. So totally. yeah, was yeah. So that was, that was like, the, the big transition. Yeah.
0: Was there any points, like, in doing stuff like with with the lovely bones like it, it, it's a very tried idea of like having made it or whatever but it, like was there any like particular gig or any like like getting to travel to a certain place because of your music or anything like that or it's just like oh like teenage me would have never picked that we'd ever get to do something like this
1: this is basically the whole sto- the whole history of like lovely bones at this point yeah sure because like once again like when I was in like teenage me in, in school in Malaysia I was always like sort of like Picked on as like the guy who was, like, Oh, yeah, like he's not very good, he tries a bit too hard, he's not good enough, like playing from like the assemblies and all that for the most part. And that was the thing that like, always kind of stuck with me. So, like, Oh, yeah, I'm like, never do anything, like, at most, like playing guitar and singing is going to be a thing I do in uni to like get laid or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like the classic story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, so like driving around the country, and like, I think the a few landmark points, I guess. There's the first headline show we ever did, and like I was really worried about it, and then we ended up getting like a hundred people, like transit bar. Yeah. I mean, was, a lot of it was just like me badgering mates, but yeah, yeah. but it worked, and it, just, exactly. and it felt good. Yeah, and it was real nice and tight. Um, touring for the first time with Helen the Pop was real nice. For like all the drama surrounding, like I basically at the time had like crashed the car Jesus. in somewhere in Melbourne. It wasn't like a really a crash. He he hit like a pedestrian at the tram stop cuz he just didn't understand Melbourne traffic. Oh my god. And he we just spent like hours in this Macca's in Kensington, I think. Mm. And he was just like on the phone with his like his lawyer all the sister He like what's my legal what legal ramifications are they going to be? And we're like fuck, we need to drive to Adelaide. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So that was that. I think touring, going back to Adelaide, that was like real nice. It's like a nice like return. And, like here I am with like my real band and my real project.
0: Was that at the Cranker or?
1: No, I think the first time was at the Grace Emily. Oh yeah 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 yeah, great venue. Yeah nice. Like I remember Helena Pop sat that night actually was arguably the best I've ever heard them like mixed by a sound guy. Yeah right. And everything was just like on point, How incredible. About- yeah, yeah, still one of my favourite bands like, to see live. Yeah, totally. Every time. Um, another one was, like, last year, and there's, like, a much more, like, personal, like, minor note, I guess. Yeah, sure. Like, I went... Because I released, like, a, a solo split with my friends, so Marina Mitchell, um, Vic Austin, who plays Nothing Really now. Yeah, yeah. And Jack Livingston, who's the front man of uh, Hell in the Pop. Yeah. So we did a few shows, like, with that... So, and I was playing Woolly Mammoth Festival in Adelaide as well. Mm. So I did Woolly Mammoth on like the Saturday and the the house this house show for like split on the Sunday in Melbourne. And I, my my accommodation for Adelaide fell through at the last minute and I was just like oh shit like I know you what to do mm. instead, of, instead of spending more money in like a hotel room or something. So I just like hit up Beck Stevens who like I remember she was always like super nice to us yeah. like when we played with her. Um, even when I just run into her she seemed, she's always super friendly so i was just like hey Beck my accommodation fell through will I be able to crash with you and she's like let me crash in her living room lent me her guitar and her pedals for the show and like then like yeah just travelling to Melbourne after that and just having a super nice house show and like a couch to crash on after that yeah. as well it just sort of hit me that whole like fuck travelling around the country and not just like playing shows to people who are care about your music and singing along and like are engaged with your music. Yeah. But also like I've made friends. Yeah. And like that's like the main thing I main takeaway from like everything like it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You really find that crew of people that take care of their own, you know?
1: And I think yeah, I I struggled for like a long time like at Union trying to find like my people, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just finding like this community that like branches out throughout the country. I'm like, this is rad. It's amazing. I'm I'm about it. Oh yeah.
0: So, outside of the solo stuff, like uh, you were playing in a few other bands as well.
1: Yeah. How did those pick up? So, I played in like, mainly two other bands. Like yeah. I play Lee Guitar and Slag of the Christie. Yeah. And that was a band I sort of joined like, fairly late on after they're quite established. I was just like... I heard like one song that was new at the time and actually has been, since been played on Triple J after we recorded it. Yeah, right. And I was like, this band's actually like pretty sick. And I'm like, I want to play Lee Guitar for this band. Yeah. So, I could do guitar stuff without having to sing for ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really fun. I really love all the people in that band. Um, yeah. Fantastic band. Great family of people. I'm real sad to be leaving them. Yeah. And El Klocka, I saw sort of started up, and it took a long time to get off the ground. So El is like my, I guess, emo-y, post-hardcore, like, touche-amore, citizen-type band. Right. Yeah.
0: Are you just singing
1: that, or? Um, so I play guitar and sing it. At, at, play guitar and sang at the start. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I. So I f- started that with like our original drummer Lockie, who because I was like a I was like a me- like a mentor for like a uni first year camp, you know. And he just seemed like this awkward kid in like a story so far. Shit. I'm like, hey, I know that band. Yeah. He's <laughs> not really talking to anyone. I'll go be there. Kindly, older guy at camp, just like, and have a chat to him. They just messaged me out of the blue, and we started the band. Then eventually, like, we played shows and played, like, a lot of good shows. We played, like, Real Friends, Iron Chic, like, The Bennies, yeah. and The Getaway Plan. Like, it's done, done alright. Sick, dude. And yeah, just, like, loads of fun. Like, having something a bit heavier and, like, learning how to scream and incorporate that into, like, how I write and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: for sure. Are you kind of, like, thinking about, like, what you're going to be doing musically going ahead?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, leaving the country sort of, like, fucked up like, all, like, the long-term plans I had, because moving to Melbourne was sort of, like, my, this is the, I'm getting my life together, like, move, like, I've got to move out of camera to, like, find work opportunities for, um, for, like, work in my, in the legal sector. Yeah. Because, I, because I'm not Australian I can't work in the public service yeah and which is like all there is in camera effectively yeah. um so I moved partially for that and also because I feel like I've done as much as I possibly could in the camera scene yeah. with like my various projects over the years I thought like and I think because I've, my The Lovely Bones kind of disbanded last year in a way like it, mm. like we disbanded as like a band so it just became like my solo project and all band members will from time to time like come up come and play a show yeah. if I asked them to Like a it, collective yeah it's like more of an ad hoc sort of like system yeah yeah so yeah um and yeah so like Melbourne moving to Melbourne's meant be like my hard reset with like that the shot in the arm like that lovely bones project like and like sub, and like by extension elk Locker as well so yeah kind of that kind of needed um so yeah last year in the last year I started recording a full-length album right so this is, like after like the band disbanded so this is the first time it was just me and the producer like writing everything together. Oh, so you're playing everything. Everything except for drums. Yeah. So I wrote all the drum parts that and the producer just programmed them into like the computer. And we just had like another drummer like come in and like play the parts.
0: Do you still
1: play much? Um I wish I did. Yeah. I actually just sold I sold, I mean the the Molagara house drum kit is like my old drum kit. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I just sold my all my symbols in melbourne as well recently and I'm just like I got to move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I've like playing that one off like show with, like my with my old band I'm like fuck, I miss like playing drums. Yeah, it's, it's fun, like man. It's loads of fun. I played like a couple of like uni like covers gigs as a drummer and like a couple of like uni like theatre productions. I actually met Haley and Charlie from Morning Lisa. Oh, sure. by playing in like a uni production with them in like the house band. Oh sick. Yeah. They're the best. Yeah. Been, like... Go back, like, a long while, like... Back before Molling Lisa was even a thing. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Super wild in, like, seeing them how how far they've gone now. Yeah. Which I, I believe, like, they've, like, deserved, like... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they've wor- they've just worked, and they've got the sound, they, they've played the game, like, they deserve everything that they've, like, they have coming to them. Fucking right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one, because, like, you normally, like, I, I wrap these up by, like, asking, like, you know, so... You know where do you think things are gonna go from here? but like even even you don't know that oh, yeah, point, it's you know? a, it's very up in the air, yeah.
1: I guess the way I'm looking at it now is I'm gonna try to like re-establish playing music in Malaysia yeah. in some way or another like I mean hopefully if I I mean if I do find like a white collar white collar corporate job, it might be a bit harder because like work ba- work life balance is like not quite what it is here in Australia over there. yeah, I, I want to keep playing music and I think like I'll always want to keep playing music. For like, the foreseeable future Yeah. so it could go like hey I'll keep playing music and I'll release the album eventually in the next couple of years when it's finally done and be like hey this is this cool thing I've done otherwise I've also thought of like I'll put this album out eventually and this will be like my big like farewell mm. yeah this is like there's like the bit one cool thing I've done in my time playing music I have not wasted my life doing this yeah. as much as my parents are like are you working as a lawyer, Zim? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, who knows? Like, I could even shit. I could even come back to Australia. Like, if the visa situation like pans out, yeah, yeah. Ideally, and I can just pick up where I left off. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Come back to
1: it. Yeah. The the world's like I wouldn't say it's my worst day. Like, <laughs> like hitting your late twenties, you're like, oh man, the world's getting grimmer and grimmer. Like, yeah. But just you gotta learn to roll with the punches, and like, we'll see how where I end up. <laughs> Perfect, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: Alright, so we will wrap it up here But before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests Now it's your turn I want to know about the best and the worst shows That you have ever played
1: <laughs> I already know what the worst one is Alright, uh, bring this, like up. I played some like some real shoddy ones And can I give a runner-up?
0: Oh, absolutely Yeah, so the
1: a runner-up was like I think it was the first show back in Australia after, So after I graduated from uni Me and my friend back, back to Japan for a bit right. So as soon as I came back I came back and played the show in Canberra, with, I think, it was Latham's Grip. Was, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: They're old friends of mine. Oh, see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, Leyland and Kai from that band, yeah. uh, they were in my high school. Band. Oh, shit. Yeah, true story.
1: Um, yeah, so, I played the show supporting Them in Canberra, and I had tonsillitis. Oof. I, th- I, th- I think I didn't realise it was tonsillitis at the time. And I remember, like, waking up the next morning like after being out in the, on like my friend Dave McCarthy's like floor being like this sucks and then I just like dragged myself out of the house and walked to m- my ex-girlfriend's apartment and was like I'm so sick please like help because mm. <laughs> obviously I didn't live in Canberra at the time
0: <laughs> was she your ex-girlfriend at the time? yes oh yes. wow that's
1: even better yes <laughs> so, so that's the runner up the, the absolute worst show I played was the first time I played solo at the Phoenix bar and camera. So this was right. like in the old Phoenix before like the renovations with the, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. new proper stage. Right. Back when like, it was literally like a weed raised platform, like a few centimeters off the ground, mm, mm. like in the back room next to the toilets or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember.
1: Yeah. So that was, so I played solo there on like Monday, one of the free like shows that they put on on Mondays. And because I was so new to like playing that kind of, that kind of stuff and playing solo, I just didn't know how to work, like, with fallbacks and stuff. Yeah. And I didn't know how to wor- work and uh, play in, like, a environment where... It's just, like, a loud pub environment where everyone's just, like, drinking, getting a bit rowdy and having, like, a time. Because I remember it being so loud... Well, the crowd, that is. That I literally could not hear what I was singing or playing on guitar mm. on stage. I remember just, like, just fl- flipping out. I was, like just, like, flipping out just, like, that little bit and just being like... You know what? My friends like again. They're sitting down the front. They're listening to me, so I just grabbed the mic stand, got off stage, s- stood it in front of my friends, and just played the rest of the set in front of them. Yeah. It was like not professional by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And I'm glad the Phoenix still had me back like many times later on, but uh, it's part of like the growth, I guess. Yeah.
0: and, and Sometimes you just crack the shit, do Yeah. Especially as a solo artist, you just got fucking people talking the whole fucking
1: time. Yeah, that's why as much as people like romanticize like the old Phoenix, like, and like that shitty back room. Yeah. When they put the stage, in, I was like much more in favor of that because it's much harder for like a noisy crowd like ignore someone on on the higher stage with like a decent sound system. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah.
0: So what about the best?
1: The best. Mm. Oh, also easy one now. I think about it. It was, like, a Malgara show at the start of 2017. Okay. So, it was, like, a house show in, like, the old Mulgara house. Yeah. So, I think... Actually, can I do a runner-up as well? Absolutely. This one would be much quicker. So, it's supporting for the, the heartaches for the first time at oh, the Phoenix. Hi. Like, that was one of the tightest sets we've ever played in front of, like... And the, and the Phoenix was already, like, packed at that point, and everyone was, like, actually watching. So, that was sick. Like... Mm. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, best show was that that Mulgarish house show where you played in like my friend his, like carport, and it was a show for which I called like the Bone Sauce Party.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So, you made your sauce, yeah. Didn't you? So
1: and this was, so like the first time you had the sauce was probably like that was the prototype, but now I had right. the recipe down and made it, and so it was like BYO jars containers, and then pay, like, you pay donation and you get like, to fill, like, that jar and container with sauce. And I had, like, little stickers that could slap on it, and that's, like, your merch, your, yeah. y- your jar of sauce. Hell yeah. And, yeah, it was a great lineup. Um, My... Lots of good friends in that. Uh, Helena Pop played, because I booked so many shows with them. Yeah. Um, Zen Haircuts from Sydney came down. Sick. Because I'm, like, really good friends dance. with those guys. And, yeah, it was just... I think... And because people heard about it, and people kept coming to the show, like... And it was, like, people from different parts of the music community... And even from, like, my all, like, uni friends, like, they're like, oh, yeah, our, our old friend Zim's playing a show in Canberra again. Like, well, yeah, let's yeah, check yeah. it out. And it just ended up being 70 people, so they just crowded around this little carport. And I was just, like, overwhelmed by just how in- insane it was at the yeah. time. I don't think we even played that tight, but, like, <laughs> it just felt good. Oh, yeah. And, like, with everyone just, like, sort of singing in your face in that sort of real intimate setting, like, I it's a memory I'll keep for the rest of my life essentially sure. yeah
0: absolutely alright Azim thank you so much for doing this man I really appreciate it
1: oh like thanks for having me like wank on for ages not like, a problem man yeah <laughs> I'm
0: glad we got to yeah I'm David Jim and all my friends involved.